successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello everybody, it's Jason Grill with the Grill Nation Show. If you're listening on the radio, you're joining us today on KMBZ 980 AM. If you're joining us on podcast, we greatly appreciate that as well whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or if you're watching us live here on social media, we greatly appreciate it. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Again, thanks for joining us each and every week here on the Grill Nation Show. We greatly appreciate it. We're going to have an awesome show today. I am joined by Anita Davis, who's the Chief Mission Officer at Goodwill of Western Kansas and Eastern Missouri. I like to call them Mocan Goodwill for short, which I'll do throughout the show today, Anita. Um, their website is mocangoodwill.org. I'll throw that up on the live stream here so you can see that. Um, welcome to the show, Anita. How are you today? I am wonderful, Jason. Thank you so much for having me today. Of course. I want to read just a short blurb about Goodwill for our listeners and watchers here. Uh, it was founded in 1894, uh, and it, it serves so many different communities, 127 years in our region. And, uh, you know, you guys have all the accreditations, all the nonprofit accreditations that are and you're dedicated to helping individuals with disabilities and other barriers to employment. Uh, you know, whether that's obtaining jobs, essential skills training and personal development opportunities. On average, 88 cents of every dollar Goodwill spend supports individualized programs and services that empower job seekers with different abilities. You have 14 retail stores and uh, a donation centers, and you have an annual economic impact of more than $26 million in the Kansas City region. Uh, just an incredible organization, and so we're very lucky to have Anita on the show. She has been in her role now for what, Anita? A handful of months? I am going on actually like my fourth week. Okay, wow. So about a month, okay. Yes, yes. I officially started March 1st. Well, congratulations. Again, Anita is the Chief Mission Officer. Before we get to what you do at Goodwill, uh, I want to learn more about you. And I was doing some research today about um, about your background. And uh, a question I saw was, what did you want to be when you were growing up, Anita? So why don't we just start there? What did you want to be when you were growing up? Sure. Well, I really did not, you know, know. I wasn't one of those kids that just like had this innate sense of what I wanted to do. But we had a really good family friend that was a doctor. And so I eventually decided, I think that's interesting. I loved animals. I loved helping. I knew I wanted to help and be of service. So I thought I wanted to be a doctor or a vet. And I actually had a a medical school from the KU Med Center scholarship as I graduated and went to pre-med at KU, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, and, um, and, you know, kind of fumbled my way through that and then realized that it may not be the right path for me. 
Yeah, and, and that that's interesting too because your first job actually what was that? I know you had a first job that kind of built that workforce, that entrepreneurial drive in you, and and, and the ability to help others. Um, what was that first job you ever had? My very first job was at Carmel Core in Bannister Mall. I was fifteen and I was serving popcorn, and it was <laughs> absolutely the best job because back then everybody went to the mall, so I got to see people and, you know, socialize, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, you definitely, uh, back then, it was awesome to work at the mall, I assume. I mean, it's so different now, but nothing like going to the, the mall movies, uh, the movie theater in the mall, you know, they just they were so cool back then. Anyways, that's a cool first job. Mine wasn't as cool. I was a busboy at a, uh, a restaurant. So, uh, and then I did some lawn mowing, but not as cool as selling popcorn in a, in the mall. Um, well, I made my way around that mall. I worked at many of the retail stores there during my time. At the <laughs> and that kind of kind of started you on your journey of kind of understanding the value of work and providing a pathway through employment. You uh you have an interesting background. Take us through kind of your you know post college background. You worked in some really interesting uh, uh jobs. Yeah, thank you. Well, I initially right out of college ended up working in television and radio. I actually sold airtime, um, so I worked for Channel Nine, Channel Twenty Nine, and then I also sold airtime for Ninety Eight Nine The Rock with Intercom Radio Group. So I had a lot of fun in radio, advertising, marketing, and it was really there that I had always worked in public service through church groups, worked in the community, and I always had a sense that there were certain communities that just did not have access to information, to opportunities. And after I sort of had my stint in radio and advertising, I wanted to go back to school and I ended up going back and getting my master's from UMKC in public administration and urban economic development. And I was a fellow through the Department of Housing and Urban Development. I really pursued this career field. I had no idea about it, but I knew how do I help these communities build? How do I help bring investment, bring resources, the opportunities to communities that have been historically um, disenfranchised, underrepresented, underinvested. And I found community development as a field and pursued it. And that's really what brought me along my journey. Yeah, you definitely made the right decision and doing great work. And you, it took you to Denver for a while, correct? Yes, yes. I, um, after my time at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, I worked for the city of Independence. I had my chance to work around the community in affordable housing development, in, um, even in tax increment financing projects, bringing investment into blighted areas. And then I was recruited actually to Denver through a national scholarship foundation. I'm working on my doctorate in sustainable urban infrastructure. There were 27 fellows brought. I was one. And um, so I was working really in research at the university level around sustainability and how to bring that into communities. And um, I eventually was recruited to work for the city and county of Denver in their Office of Economic Development and I eventually moved up through that department and became the assistant director of the workforce development division there for Denver. 
and I ran and managed the very large public workforce system there. There were five locations. We served about 20,000 people and thousands of businesses and employers in the region every year. Pretty impressive. Um, why did you decide to come back to Kansas City when you were out in the mountains and uh, yes. to Denver? Denver is a great place. You know, I moved there in 08 just during the last, you know, the housing bubble. And um, it was pre-legalization when I moved there. And then, you know, the the um, population just quadrupled over the years and it boomed and it was wonderful. It's still really growing. I actually returned to Kansas City because my mother's here um, and I wanted to help provide her with some additional support. And so I thought it would be a good time to come back and be able to serve in the community that I grew up in. We're going to pick up right there when we get back from the break. Anita Davis is our guest. She's the Chief Mission Officer of Mocan Goodwill. Their website is mocangoodwill.com. Org. We're going to talk all about what she does now as the chief mission officer. We're going to talk more about her uh, her life, her journey, as well as uh, ways that you can get involved with Goodwill here in the Kansas City region. Thanks for joining us today on the Grill Nation show. We'll be right back after the break. Lean on me when you're not strong and I'll be your friend. I'll help Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Grill Nation show here on 980 AM KMBZ. We are joined again today by Anita Davis, who's the Chief Mission Officer of Goodwill of Western Missouri and Eastern Kansas. Their website is mocangoodwill.org, just the state of Missouri, M-O-C-A-N-Goodwill.org. Great organization in our region, obviously, and a national uh, footprint as well. Anita, we were kind of talking about your time in Denver um, and how off on the break about kind of how um, how Ed Lada, who is the CEO and president, essentially hired you from Mark. Why did you decide to to leave Mark and go to Goodwill? Why did you decide to? I don't know if this is LeBron James answer, but he took his talents. <laughs> Why did you decide to take your talents and, and all of your great experience to Goodwill from your position you had before that? Wow. Well, Mid-America Regional Council is a phenomenal organization doing great work. My time there, I was the workforce development director. And, you know, these are are very similar. We're all in the same ecosystem of working together on workforce development challenges and building a talent pipeline for our community. So, but at Mark, my work was very much around systems and building systems and understanding the system and stakeholders. And while I have that lens here, I'm also getting to do direct services, which I love. That really brings me sort of back home to the work that I was doing in Denver, where I have a team of people that are providing direct services to individuals and families in the community. And so I wanted to take that opportunity to come back and do that sort of work on the ground, grassroots level. And as well, the Artemis Initiative is just a phenomenal visionary um, initiative here that I was extremely excited to be a part of. And so that drew me away, though I am still going to be partnering with Mark in my work as well. There you go. So you're the chief mission officer at Goodwill. What does that mean? 
And, you know, it's a great, great title. I, I saw your title and I was just blown away. I'm like, that's a really cool, cool uh, title to have in a leadership role. What, what does that mean? What do you, what does that entail? And you've been there a month. How's the first month gone so far? The first month has been great. I will have to say the team here is a phenomenal team. And, um, you know, actually I had taken on a consulting contract with Goodwill and their team while I was at Mark. And so I really had partnered with them intensively, um, very much connected to this work and to this vision. And it just so happened that the current uh, chief mission officer that was in the role became the CEO in Wichita. And because of my partnership with them, I had the opportunity to come into this role. The first month is great. The team is great. They're all very passionate and love the work that they do. And they're very organized and just phenomenal, capable people. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's been my first month. Very busy. I think I'm proud to say that I made it through. When I came in, I had like 600 emails already because (laughs) my email box was on for like two weeks prior to my start date. And it's very full. So, Well, that's great. What are the key missions essentially and, you know, the visions of Mocan Goodwill that kind of drive you? And what, what, what is that, that arrow that goes straight? What are your missions? Right. So I think everyone knows Goodwill for the retail stores and for donations, Uh, but they don't understand that Goodwill is the oldest and probably the largest social enterprise and that the mission is really about empowering people to discover their potential through work. And we're really focused on the future of work now. And what does that mean for people and how do we prepare people for the future economy. And really what we're looking at is the fourth industrial revolution around technologies such as AI, you know, artificial intelligence, robotics, machine learning. And we know that this is happening now. And if we can close the gap for people and give them access to information about these career opportunities, information about job skills and training, and provide them with those opportunities, we can really allow people to be part of this, you know, really expansive next fourth industrial revolution. You've had a lot of roles that we talked about. One of them was kind of in more of a consulting role, entrepreneurial space, correct? And yes. uh, so you've worked in both the public and the private sector uh, in your career. Kind of tell us how that has increased your ability to succeed in your profession or at goodwill moving forward. How can you take things that you learned in Denver and at Mark and then also, too, with your uh, your own consulting firm and kind of meld those life learnings together to really kind of help Goodwill? What what are the things that you think would help the most that you've learned in both public and private? Yes, there's there, I think every job that you have is preparing you for this lifelong journey. I am an entrepreneur at heart. I'm always looking at problems and solutions, whether those for me our social problems, societal problems, and how do we solve them? How do we use our resources, our talents, our funds, our technology to help bring about social change? And so I love this opportunity here with Goodwill to do good, but also to do that through an entrepreneurial way. Um, I would say that you know when I was in sales or marketing and advertising, I used those skills every day. 
whether that's in selling uh, our mission to people like you, to the community, to stakeholders, to potential funders, those skills come in handy. Um, even in the public sector, my understanding of public policy, of public administration, of how funding comes in and how funding is administered to help with community goals. Um, it, and there are many times public-private partnerships that are needed. So being able to talk to business, to understand business, to understand business attraction and business growth and business expansion, but also to bring that public sector side with that um, is phenomenal. And then I kind of have that nonprofit sector as well. So I worked in all of the sectors and understand their unique features, but also where those cross connections are and those opportunities to collaborate. And so most recently, I was doing that work in Mark, bringing these systems together because none of us are in a vacuum. vacuum. All of these problems um, are, are intertwined. And so bringing in that system perspective of how all of these stakeholder groups come together is still very important in the work that I do today as the chief mission officer, which this role is really focused on bringing our retail side together with this mission of empowering people through work. So we're placing people in our retail stores. We're placing people in businesses in the community and we're training people. That's what our mission is. That's what my role is all about. And it's about leading that team. It's about growing that opportunity to help people connect to work. I love that answer. And I love people who have, um, really kind of done a lot of different things in careers. You obviously have, have done a lot of cool and innovative different types of jobs. I didn't even know you worked in uh, sales and radio and intercom, which is where this show is aired uh, on 980 AM, but it really makes you kind of a well-rounded person and you're able to tackle and find solutions to a lot of different problems that come across each and every day past your desk. You talked a lot about workforce, workforce sustainability, economic sustainability, workforce what does workforce development really entail and what does that mean to you? Because we hear that word, those two words, a lot now, both in the public yeah. sector and in the nonprofit sector as far as, you know, in the public sector, we hear political people talking about, you know, we want to do more with workforce development. And in the, in, in the nonprofit world, we hear about it too. What, what does that entail? What do those words mean? Yes. Yeah. You know, I think that it's used in a lot of different ways. And I'm so glad that you asked that question. Workforce development is about people. It is about, it is a people focused development. And so it's building the social capital. It is building the core and foundational skills of individuals, as well as their technical skills and their ability to be quality skilled talent for employers. So in the workforce development realm of work, we really have two customers. We have the individual job seeker and we have the business. And so from the business perspective, we are all about how do we help build a skilled, talented pipeline for these employers? How do we ensure that they have the people to continue to grow as they're implementing new processes, that they have individuals that have the technical skills that they need right here in their community? So one of the key elements of workforce development is local. It's not just importing talent that you need from another region that has a skill, um, but really digging down deep with local training providers, local schools, 
and solving the challenges that individuals need here, opening up on ramps and opportunities for jobs here locally so that people here in the community can become economically mobile. So that's really workforce development. It's about people and it's about business and sort of making a love connection between the two. (laughs) (laughs) Chief Mission Officer with Goodwill, uh, Mocan Goodwill is with us. We have about a minute left. And on that note, I just want to close this uh, this uh, segment up with the question is, do you consider entrepreneurship workforce development? Because I feel like we're trying to place people in different jobs, but shouldn't we count entrepreneurship or somebody that starts a business and grows jobs as workforce development? Yes, yes, and yes. Entrepreneurship, uh, freelance opportunities, side gigs, if you want to call them that. Well, the side um, hustle, right, Anita? The side hustle, that's what mine is. My 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 founding, you know, job, that's my side hustle, you know, and I still do that. And there's so many opportunities for that and so many opportunities for the internet to open up these entrepreneur pathways that we don't have to have their traditional connotation or definition of job. Um, from the public sector, from a public policy perspective, we traditionally frame workforce development from employment, employment of someone else. And that's happened over decades, right? Because it really came from, you know, a long, long time ago when that's the way that we typically framed it. And so now we really need to expand that definition to include entrepreneurial activities and freelance activities as well. Absolutely. I appreciate that answer. And we'll be right back with more from the chief mission officer at Mocan Goodwill you're listening to the Grill Nation show. We're joined today by Anita Davis. We'll be right back. Wouldn't you give your hand to a friend? Maybe it's not the end. And I think we Everybody needs a helping hand. Take a look at your fellow man and tell me what can I do today. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show on KMBZ 980 AM. If you're joining via radio or on podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, or on our website, which is grillnationshow.com. Appreciate those watching us today as well on my social media accounts. We greatly appreciate it. We're trying each and every week to expand uh, our reach as well as, you know, give you different ways to listen, watch us, and, uh, and, and connect with our guests who are really kind of the, the core of this show. We have such great guests and, uh, Today, obviously, we have another great guest, and uh, Anita Davis is with us, who's the Chief Mission Officer at Mocan Goodwill. Their website is mocangoodwill.org. She's, she's worked in many, different, um, in many different areas helping people, I mean, for, truthfully, both in the private and public sector, and enhancing uh, workforce, economic sustainability, communities, both here locally and in Colorado and Denver, and I will leave with that. Um, what were the key differences you saw uh, in Denver compared to Kansas City and kind of the, the work or the field that you're in? I asked that because about 20 years ago, Kansas City and Denver, I believe, were about the same size. And Denver has grown. Obviously, they have mountains there. We do not. So that's one thing that they have that we don't. However, um, you know, Kansas City is, is starting to get a lot more press now for being a, being a great city to live in, you know, all the great things that are happening here. So I love to hear from you since you spent a good amount of time there and came back. What what were some of the key differences you saw between the two cities? Great questions. So, yes, I spent about a decade there in Denver um, studying, researching with the University of Colorado, Denver. 
as well as leading the public workforce development system there in Denver and many um, regional workforce development initiatives. And um, the great thing about the Denver community in this field of workforce development is that there are systemic changes and differences between our two communities. And the first that I can give you an example of is how the public workforce system is administered. So here and in many communities, the funding that comes from the Department of Labor um, either goes to another county agency as it does in Denver. So each county has an allocation of funding across the state. Here, that funding is more centralized. It goes to one um, nonprofit organization in each metro area. So there is one here in Missouri called the Full Employment Council, and there is one in Kansas called the Workforce Partnership. And so you have a decentralized system of administering and distributing funding, and you have a very centralized system. So it creates many different dynamics in how this the, the majority of the funding that comes and what we use this funding for in the system is to staff. Uh, So have this one-on-one counseling and coaching support. So many individuals that have some barriers, uh, maybe those are personal, academic, financial, whatever it may be, they can come into these systems and access resources and they can get funding or basically scholarships to get additional workforce training. And so the systems operate very differently depending on how the funding is administered. Um, Another big difference is just the, the, the government involvement. So at the state level, uh, Governor Hickenlooper at the time was extremely involved in workforce development and particularly in engaging businesses in workforce development. And so businesses would sponsor activities. They would have lots of on-site opportunities for career exploration, for apprenticeships, for internships, for upskilling, for reskilling. And so employers across many sectors and industries were actively engaged at the grassroots level, working with uh, universities, working with training partners, working with the public workforce system. And all of us were trying to work together because, of course, we all like to work in our silos like everyone does. And so some of those things are very different. I would say that poses a lot of opportunities here in Kansas City. And one that I am particularly excited about um, is to the, the opportunity to make more of a collaborative system happen. So a system where all of these fragmented organizations that are doing wonderful work here can be more collaborative, can work together, can share resources, can share space, can co-locate, can uh, better refer individuals across the system. How do we break down some of those silos? And then most importantly, I think the biggest opportunity that we have here in Kansas City is to engage business more strategically, uh, more comprehensively in local workforce development, because there are many structural barriers to employment that exist. And we have a history of being a bit uh, segregated based on our history. So you have communities that are isolated from growth, from jobs, from investment, from opportunity. And some of those structural or systemic issues can be addressed through strengthening our business engagement. So um, that's just a huge opportunity here that we are very focused on here at Goodwill. I like that. We do need to get the corporate world more engaged and the business world more engaged in a lot of these things. Um, you talk a lot about kind of innovation and technology and, and the, the future of work. Um, what are some things that you see that we can utilize with regards to innovation and technology to to kind of fix the problems that currently exist with workforce development or economic sustainability? I know 
I know you guys, uh, uh, the team at uh, Mocan Goodwill has got some really cool, innovative ways that you to do this and you're working on them. What are some of those? There's, so we are focused through our Artemis initiative on introducing people to opportunities in, in what we are calling and what the World Economic Forum calls the fourth industrial revolution. So this time period is all about how do we advance these very fast growing innovative technologies that are happening. So whether that is artificial intelligence, whether that is what we hear about automation um, or augmentation or um, robotics technologies and others, it's really about here, how do we ensure that everyone has an opportunity to participate in this economy, either through employment or through business development and um, entrepreneurship. So that's what we are looking at when we're focused on the technology. The cool thing about the technology is that it's also changing the way that we learn about skills and that we, the way that we will train people. So we are right now implementing virtual reality headset to train individuals that are re-entering or coming out of incarceration. And we're using these VR headsets to actually have them practice essential skills. So what is it like in the workplace? What are, you know, practicing some of these interviewing skills? What are some of the questions and actually interacting via this virtual reality headset? So we're very much focused on, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality, artificial intelligence. And there are so many people that don't realize how quickly these technologies are growing, how much they're being integrated into different parts of our economy, different segments and different industries right now. We want to bridge that gap, that digital divide that already exists. And the digital divide impacts people's access to broadband Internet. Um, their ability to have a laptop or a computer at home and their ability to have the digital skills and the technology skills to advance into these careers. So that's what we're focused on with the Artemis Initiative. That's great. And you, you talk about how important quality training and education is. And, and that's really what you're focused on is economic sustainability. Besides broadband and, and, you know, and having the ability for technology, what are some other barriers that exist to quality training and education programs? And because we understand these are so transformational for people to empower yes. them to work. One of the common barriers within the field of workforce development and, and kind of going up first to a systems perspective, oftentimes people just aren't aware about these career opportunities. There are so many careers that exist and technology now really covers every industry, right? There's technology in the financial services, there's technology in manufacturing, there's technology in healthcare, and it's all being adopted and implemented maybe in different ways. And people have no idea, no ability, no way to easily access information about the careers, about the career ladders, about what the work environment is like, about what skills um, and, and uh, com competencies are required. How do I get this training? And so it's a, it's a difficult um, area to navigate for some people. And so it's a common challenge in the workforce development field is this block of how do I get this information and how do I then navigate and even figure this all out? And so hopefully, you know, there are many platforms um, that are trying to address that gap in transparency and access of information, of resources about these opportunities. Um, so that's just one. And now when you go back down to like the individual or community level, some of the barriers that individuals have 
um, again, are structural and systemic because maybe they grew up in a community that really they didn't have, they knew no one that was a computer engineer. They didn't know anyone at the bank. They may not have access to capital to finance if they're going in the entrepreneurial pathway. They may not have access to information about business startup and how do I expand and grow my business. Or again, they may not know anyone that's a software developer or an engineer. So it really comes down to um, access, historical disadvantages, um, you know, and just one's ability to have those opportunities and have the background academically often to even get into those types of careers. So I will say that our first step in our Artemis initiative is to launch the Artemis Institute. And we will begin with a bridge to technology program. And that program is just what it is. It says it's a bridge. And what do we mean by that? We want to, one, introduce people to these careers that may not know about them. We want to introduce them to the technologies. We want to help them um, have the 21st century skills, the communication skills, the adaptability skills, the innovation skills to advance in these fields. We also want to ensure that individuals can remediate if they have some academic gaps. Often people may need to kind of build up their math skills, build up their reading skills so that they can actually get into a two-year or four-year program. So the bridge to technology program is really designed to be just that, that bridge for people to get into these occupations. Anita Davis is with us, Chief Mission Officer at MocanGoodwill.org. We have one segment left on the show. Anita, you're firing me up to uh, to go through my closet right now and just donate everything I have to Goodwill so we can fund these programs um, or to just go there and buy a bunch of stuff for people. But um, And that's one of the reasons why the donation centers are more, so important because they help fund a lot of these programs that you're talking about. We'll come right back after the break. You're listening to The Grill Nation Show. Thanks for joining us today on radio on KNBZ 980 AM. We'll be right back. Call up my name And you know wherever I am I'll come running Hello and welcome back to the Grill Nation show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us today. You can connect with me as well all over social media at Jason Grill on Twitter and at Grill Nation Show. Um, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, search for me there. And then uh, Anita Davis is with us, who's the Chief Mission Officer at Mocan Goodwill. Their website is mocangoodwill.org, uh, and search for them all over social media. I don't have that posted up on our live feed, but their website, again, is mocangoodwill.org. Connect with them. They have uh, a ton of different engagement opportunities. And uh, why don't we start there, actually, Anita? Um, what is the best way for people who are listening or who uh, want to get involved in some of these things you've talked about to engage with you. Great. Thank you. Uh, you can go to your local retail store and shop. You can make a donation um, where you can go straight to our mocangoodwill.org site, as you've noted uh, quite a few times. Our Facebook is at mocangoodwill. Our Twitter is at goodwillmocan. And our um, phone number is 816 
7425. So walk into one of your closest Goodwill stores, make a donation. Um, we will make sure that we are using that to help to drive our mission. I love that. Um, we uh, we saved some of our quick questions for the end of the show. Uh, best for last segment. And one of the questions I have for you is, uh, you know, you've done so many different things. What is the uh, best advice you've ever received, whether that was from a mentor or somebody on your career journey? that uh, kind of informs what you do at, in your day-to-day at uh, Goodwill? Well, I had a couple of, of uh, great things that I remember. I can say so many things, actually. Um, my mother is a great role model. Share, share them all, Anita. <laughs> right. So, um, so one of them is if you're going to do it for the people, do it for the people. If you're going to do it for the money, do it for the money. Um, and so I've certainly been a person that is about people, it's about service and it's about passion. And, you know, sometimes along the way on your journey, you kind of can, you know, get confused about which one. It's nothing, there's nothing wrong with doing both if you can do both. And I have had the pleasure and the privilege of being able to do work, make a great living and also help people. Um, one of the interesting things that I always remember, because I've, you know, been a little bit of an introvert. So people in my professional career are like, no, you're not, but yes, I am. And um, during my doctorate program, one of my professors would say, I need to get out of my head. And um, I remember that a lot because I tend to just be a thinker. And so in my career, in my professional career, I remember that, you know, to say, to share, to voice, your thoughts, your ideas, your innovations to bring those to the work that you do, to the people that you serve and to the team that you collaborate with. So um, I always remember that get out of my head because sometimes you tend to think about things and you don't necessarily say them out loud. I don't know about you, Jason. You probably one of those people. I, that a lot of I went on a long run. I went on a long run early this morning and I, uh, that's like the one time, you know, you can really come. Uh, just start thinking about stuff. I guess you could in the shower. You could if you're in a board in a meeting. But like when you're running, you just there's just not you just you just have that time to yourself essentially for 45 minutes of whatever 30 minutes, and you start thinking about a lot of different things. So I do that. Yes. As well. um, you've had a lot of things, you know, obviously that impacted people throughout your career. Is there one transformation of an individual business uh, or community that that you can think of maybe that you, you always remember that kind of really made you really happy to be in the career that you're in. Was there, was there one that you could point to that is just stands out? Wow. If there were one, um, there have been so many, I will tell you in the course of my career, I've had the opportunity to help build up communities by bringing resources. And I would see individuals being able to invest into upgrades in their home, um, upgrades to their property through community development block grant funds where, you know, over several years, I was able to see, for instance, a community in Independence, Missouri here transform through a program where this community had not been invested in in a long time. And through the CDBG program, we were investing in minor home improvements that then um, they would have a tax abatement. And so for these people, that was just such an opportunity to do some fixing up to their home that they weren't able to do before, but then to see this collective build of 
this neighbor, this neighbor, this neighbor saw their neighbor making investments. And so you gradually saw this community sort of lift up and the burden of sort of these this property tax being erased for 10 years for people. So the work that I do has the power like that to these little programs, each step, each day can become a collective transformation. That's great. It, it all it all adds up to to uh, to more and more transformations and great great success stories. Um, I noticed on your bio that you uh, you consider yourself a foodie, Anita. I do. Um, and um, so we like to we like to know what people uh, like to eat and what they like to do in Kansas City in their spare time. So, what are some of your favorite places to go, or if you could have a meal somewhere, where would you pick? I mean, please share some of your knowledge with our listeners today on uh, Kansas City. Kansas City, I will say, has much better food than Denver. Um, I will say that. So, we may not have the mountains, but we have a much better food selection. So, my some of my favorites: Thai food. I love the Thai place, which there used to be um, several locations, like in the metro area, and one on Westport. But when I moved back from Denver, there's just one now on 87th Street Parkway, and I make sure to make my way there when I want just the best Thai food. Um, soul food, hands down. Peach tree used to be a buffet, but now post pandemic, you can. Still Still go in there and get your good old mac and cheese, fried chicken, greens, cabbage. I had some the other day. Love that. I'm hungry, Anita, and um, I haven't eaten uh, much today. So, man, hey, I'm going to have some uh, Jordan. I don't eat pork or beef, so, you know, I'm not the gal for that. And I try to, you know, try to eat more veggies. But um, Eddie V's, my birthday was St. Patrick's Day, so I went there for Eddie V's. Love seafood. Mm, seafood, Thai food, soul food, Mediterranean food. Those are my foods. So I'm always down for a good restaurant and a good glass of wine. So the the, the Thai that you mentioned, there's a place on Warnell too that I don't know what the name, I can't remember the name of it. Maybe it's called Waldo Thai. That's pretty good. And yes. Ghost so over there, like there's a little liquor store and yeah. they're on the side little strip there, like near 85th. Yeah, they have a uh, they did a ghost kitchen as well that you can order like on DoorDash and whatnot that I've been hitting up. But I I've been to Thailand and uh, man, that the food is just it's so good. So I, I I respect that answer. That's a really good one. I'm gonna I might get some Thai food uh, maybe this week. We'll see. <laughs> well, I would love to visit Thailand. So with, that's amazing. You'll have a great pet Thai that you'll just get on the side of the road. It's just like. It's like a hot dog in New York, like the hot dog carts. It's like there, it's just pad Thai and the best Thai food you can imagine when you're walking walking down the street everywhere. It's beautiful. We have about 50 seconds left. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Again, uh, mocangoodwill.org is the website. Anita Davis is the chief mission officer at Goodwill uh, here in Western Missouri, and Eastern Kansas. She's been there about a month and she's already accomplished. Uh, it sounds like a lot of great things, Anita. And, you know, I think people really... Uh, Kansas City has so much potential, I think, and the things that you mentioned today about ways that we can improve, getting our business community more engaged, ways people can help Goodwill to create economic sustainability, to help workforce development are all just such positives. And it's great to hear you say these things because I feel like we do have a lot of room to grow as well. Thank you so much. And again, I just will 
say that we appreciate everyone's support as an organization. We're going into our 127th year here serving the community. And we thank everyone for their support, for their donations, for visiting our stores. And I'm glad to have an opportunity to share more about where those donations go. And so please continue to support us as we help others achieve their potential through work. And thank you so much to the listeners for joining us today. We'll see you again next week here on the Grill Nation Show. Take care. You've got a friend.